It's so good to, to be together uh, this morning. And I know there's a few of us here together, but wherever you are, like, as Lou said, like, we pray that you would encounter Jesus in powerful ways. It does feel odd. Of course, it still feels odd. We're in our homes the way we are. We are remote the way we are. This isn't normal in any way. So we're looking to being together, actually in homes together, but together worshipping in, in some, some format as well as we think forward to the future. Now, I just want to, I want to pray again, actually, as we, as we jump into this. And I, let's just close, close your eyes wherever, wherever you find yourself this morning. As Lucy said earlier, maybe as Jesus, he carried his scars with him. Maybe you're still carrying scars that feel like battle scars through life. Just bring that to Jesus. Bring all of the pain, all of the scars, maybe all of the joy even, whatever, the sum total of all you have. Just, just bring it to him right now. Imagine yourself looking into the face of Jesus. Look at his eyes. Look at his smile over you. His heart that beats fiercely for you. So we give you this time, Jesus. I just ask, as I, as I share this morning, Holy Spirit, would you pour love into our hearts? Would you make the reality of Jesus just explode into our, into our hearts more and more for your glory? Amen. I want to, um, I want to share something, actually, that I, I was provoked again by the Maundy Thursday stuff that Andy Smith, I'm pointing here, he's no longer here, but he was right here, <laughs> that Andy Smith and the crew put together. And it, it was beautiful, this Easter devotional as Jesus approached the cross, this Maundy Thursday. And it was so beautiful. It was absolutely ace. If you haven't gone through it yourself, like it's not too late, just jump onto YouTube, find it and be blessed by it. There's something that jumped out to me afresh, I guess, but or a reminder uh, particularly for the, from those two verses in John 13 where Jesus says, effectively, love one another. This is a command, love one another as I have loved you. And as you do this, basically the world will see that you're mine. And I thought again, as I heard this, as I, as I went through it myself, it was like this, yes, that's exactly what it's about. This is the great mission on the earth. This is everything. This is the foundation. This is what it's all about. This ancient command of Jesus is fresh for us today as when he first told his first friends. So I want to pick this up again. I want to set the scene. This is Passover-ish time that Jesus is having a meal with his friends. And he knows, he's with a group of friends. He knows some will betray him, some will deny him, some will reject him. Basically, these group of friends, like you and I, normal people, humanity that will let Jesus down. Yet, do you know what? He loved them. He loved them. He knew, he knew Judas was going to betray him. He knew Peter was going to deny him. Yet he chose to wash their feet. And he knew they'd let him down, but he loved them. In the beginning of John 13, it says that Jesus loved them right until the end. Man, that challenges me. Jesus loved them to the end. These are some of Jesus' last words to his friends. Some of his last words. So you, you'd expect some pretty significant, some pretty powerful teaching, right? He goes on, chapter 14, 15, 16, I think it is. He talks about the sending of the Holy Spirit. He talks about how the Spirit is going to come and be with them and lead and guide them. This high priestly prayer in John 17, but tucked in or surrounded, like not surrounded, but subtly tucked in with all of this is these verses from John 13, 34 and 35. And I believe 
Guys, I believe that everything we do needs to be built on these two verses. Listen to this again. This is a new command, Jesus says. New commandment I give you. Love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And man, we've looked at this a lot. Like we've probably taught on this in, in the past. We, when we went through the One Another series, we, we would have picked this up. But I honestly felt afresh as I went through this Monday stuff. I was like, yes, this is it. Love each other. Love as Jesus loves. And by this, everyone will see. He says, this is a new commandment I give you. It's profound. It's simple. It's powerful. But it's a commandment. A command, not a, hey, why don't you guys just have a think about it and get back to me? He's not like, hey, I was, just, I was just thinking, guys, this could be helpful for you. It's not like, see how it fits in with your already busy lives. This is an authoritative order. A new command. When Jesus says this is a commandment, this is the God of the universe with skin on saying to his friends, you must do this. An authoritative order, an instruction from God to humanity, from heaven to earth. And these are our marching orders. But how beautiful are they? This is a different kind of king, and we're part of a different kind of kingdom. These aren't the marching orders of a, an army at war with weapons. This is marching orders with love, right at the foundation of everything we do. You know, to not love one another, the Bible's really clear about this. If we don't love one another, then actually we don't know God. There's no wriggle room. It's really clear. So to follow Jesus means to follow love, to actually love one another. And if we don't love one another, if you and I profess to follow Jesus and we don't love one another, then we're not actually following Jesus. It means to obey the things he said to do. Ralph, I think, picked it up last week along these lines. He said, it's no good just being hearers. Effectively, he said that as part of his message. It's no, it's no good just having concepts and thoughts and clever teaching. If we don't put it into practice, we're foolish, actually. The Bible says we're foolish to not do that, not to be just hearers, but doers. It says in James that our faith without works is dead. Our faith without substance is dead. So here, though, I don't know how many of us are in this building today, but some of my friends, like if, if Lucy doesn't feel my love, my brotherly love for her, then it's dead. If, if Dan, so I'm pointing at people, right? You don't know where they are. Just take my word for it. If John, <laughs> if, if people do not, if we do not experience one another's love for each other, then it's dead. Our works are dead. They mean nothing. Love should be right at the heart of following Jesus, right at the heart of the Christian community. The Christian family should be love, right? It's the bedrock, it's the foundation. And I want to say vine life, I want to say all nations. Going into the future, gosh, if we look back in the past, it should be everything. But going forward, I want to, I want to encourage us. Everything we build on has to be love. It just has to be. Without it, we have nothing. We are nothing. It's all meaningless. 1 Corinthians 13 shows us this. Without love, it is just a noise. It's like a van here earlier, just thrashing around on the drums. Not that, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I realised his noise was beautiful, but it's literally, it would literally be like him just going 
just going crazy, just doing whatever. And I was trying to speak, and he's just like, la, 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 just hitting the drums. It's just a noise. It was beautiful, by the way, bro. <laughs> this isn't wishy-washy, flaky, up-and-down, conditional love. Like, agendas attached to it. This love looks like something, and it looks like Jesus. That's what it looks like. It says, love as Jesus loves. Wow, what a challenge, right? I hope that challenges you. Because if we're sat here and just go, cool, I've nailed that. Man, I haven't. And I want to love as Jesus loves, and that costs me everything. It needs to cost us everything. Because I think if, if we're honest, if I'm honest, I think it's all too easy to love with limits. I think it's all too easy to love with conditions, with agendas. Well, if you do that, I might do that. If you show me love, I might love you in return. It's the condition of our broken hearts at times. What's in it for me? I'll love you, but to a limit. You know, it's easy to love someone that looks like me, sounds like me, that picks me, that prefers me, that flatters me. It's easy to love people like that. It's easy for you to love people that look like you, sound like you, choose you. But what about people that don't? What about people that don't pick you? In church, in our church community, in our family, what about people that don't prefer you? What about people that don't want it to be about you or hurt you or reject you or despise you sometimes, betray you? What does that look like then? And Jesus pushes it even further, doesn't he? He says, love, love your enemies. Wow. How much more in the family of God, in our family? Let's not be under, in, under any illusion that somehow because we're part of a Christian community that everything will just go swimmingly. I think often, it's often the, the most fractured relationships at times because we're all a work in progress, aren't we? And we're super aware of our own frailties at times and we bump up against each other. But Jesus is under no illusion and I think he's trying to help us say, hey, let's get our own house in order. Before the world looks in, before we think we've got a message to the world, I think we get it the other way around at times. I think we want to run out with this message to the world before loving one another. Now, they're both important, right? But I think it's hypocrisy often if we go, man, we're just going to tell the world how Jesus loves them, but we don't feel one another's love for each other. What does that look like? So I think Jesus says, guys, get the house in order. Love each other as I've loved you. And then the world will be drawn into something. Then the world will see, wow, look at that. Look at how they love one another. You know, Jesus' love is costly. It's selfless. Just those two words. What does that look like for me? Costly and selfless. It's generous. It's radical. It's sacrificial. It's humble. It's pure. What does pure love look like? Without an agenda. It's just. Jesus' love is just. And ultimately, as we know, his love was ultimately expressed by laying his whole life down for you and me at the cross. Cost him everything. Romans 5, 8, I think it is, it says, this is how God demonstrates his love to us. While we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. I don't know whether you get more extreme than that. While I was still trapped in all the cocaine, in all the rebellion, in all of my addiction, Christ Jesus died for me. And he welcomed me home. 
He washed me new. It's that kind of love, that kind of love that says, man, I'm, I'm coming for you. I'm going I'm to pick you. I'm going to love you regardless of what you do back to me. You know, our love for one another should reflect the love that we've received. It should go well beyond what's normal, what's reasonable, what's comfortable, what's manageable. <laughs> How do we manage love? How on earth do you manage love? It's unmanageable, right? Love will cost us because it's looking like Jesus. Listen to this. Just pulled these quotes out. Well, not a quote, it's a comment by a guy called Dane Ortland from his book, Gentle and Lowly. Talking about Jesus, says he doesn't love like us. He does not love like us. We love until we're betrayed. Jesus continued to the cross despite betrayal. We love until we're forsaken. Jesus loved through forsakenness. We love up until a limit. But Jesus loved to the end. I really believe God wants us to focus on love. I know this isn't, a, this isn't like a rocket science talk right here. This is basic Christianity 101. Let's build on that. Love one another. I really believe God wants us to create a family that looks like they love one another. They love one another. They're not just acquaintances. They're not just like they're part of the same moral high club or, or some interest group. These are a, this is a family that deeply, deeply loves one another. You know, we get to model a different kind of way of doing life to the earth, to the world around us. A family that serves, that cares for. We see Jesus washing their feet here. And I think this is his clever strategy somehow, in a weird way. And this speaks volumes, a deep, genuine, costly, sacrificial love and this is what Jesus is instructing us to do. And I, I honestly believe that when there's this authentic love at play, man, the world, how can it other? How, how can there be any other way than people looking in going, I want in. Somehow I want to be part of that. I want, I want in. This love is active. It's not abstract. It's not airy-fairy. It has hands and feet. In John 13, 15... Before, obviously, 34 or 35, it says, I have set you an example. This is after Jesus has washed their feet. Peter's like, what are you doing? Why are you washing my feet? I should wash your feet. Jesus is saying, let me do this because I'm setting you an example. I'm, I'm, I'm setting you an example that you should do what I have done. Now, that doesn't mean, it might mean, it might mean that you wash each other's feet. <laughs> All the best with that. Um, but I think he's setting, an, he's setting an extreme example to say, I'm the king of glory. This is Jesus, the king of the universe. He's going to humble himself. He's going to bow down before his friend that he knows is going to reject him and deny him. And he's going to wash his feet. How humbling. It's the ultimate act of humility coming from underneath him. Basically, Jesus is saying, my love towards you looks like something. It's got to look like something. So, so my love towards my friends, it has to look like something. It's no good me just going, hey, Andy, I love you. I love you, which is great. But it has to look like him feeling, no, I feel your love because you're right alongside me, because you help me, because you carry, like Ralph said last week of the Apostle Paul, thank you for sharing in my trouble. Thank you for carrying my burden. Thank you for standing with me. Thank you for giving me money when I was broke. It has to look like something, like washing feet. Man, I hate feet. 
What an, what an act. It's horrendous. This is such an act of humility. Love can be expressed, as we know, in a million and one different ways. What does it look like for you? Here we see Jesus washing feet. What does it look like for you? Time? Your time. Maybe your time is your most precious commodity. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's just some kind words. Maybe it's an encouragement. Maybe it's forgiving someone that has just bitterly betrayed you. Maybe it's ongoingly forgiving someone. Think about that for a moment. Who is it? Who is it that you know your love will cost? I'm talking within a family here. Family of God that people can look in and go, wow, I didn't know life could look like that. I didn't know forgiveness could be expressed like that. Encouragement could be known and seen and felt. It's basically about giving ourselves away. I want, I want to read us something from this, this book called Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. Man, if you've not read this, it's pretty challenging. It's very cool. This is what Francis Chan says, and as I read this, this, this stuck out to me. It says, Jesus said, As I've loved you, you also to love one another. Our king, who allowed himself to be tortured and killed for us, tells us to love one another in the same way. Have you ever considered loving a fellow Christian as sacrificially and as selflessly as Christ loved you? Have you? Have we? When was the last time you looked at another Christian brother or sister selflessly, wanting to bring him or her life beyond yourself at any cost? Think of a few people in your church right now. Picture their faces Now think of the lengths that Jesus went to bring them home, to bring those specific people to himself. Think of the whippings he endured that they could be forgiven. Imagine the way he thought of each of those people as he hung on the cross. No sacrifice was too great. There was nothing that he would do to hold him back. He did everything necessary to redeem them, to heal them and to transform those specific people. And he did the same for you. So ask yourself, who does God want you to pursue? Who could you desire to spend time with more? Jesus went to the ultimate extent for them. Why would you hold anything back? Jesus pursued those people from heaven to earth to bring them into his family. What barriers might be holding you back from pursuing them? What barriers might be holding you back from a deep family relationship with them? Have you experienced the greatest love in the universe? Then why shouldn't they experience that as well? This should be the profound love that flows out of us. And that should be enough for the whole world to see and be shocked by. I think it's about learning to see people as Jesus sees them. I know this is basic, but it certainly helps me. I often think in and of myself, when I try to do it with my, if in my own strength and my own steam, if I do it with my own little, my little bit of heart at times, it's difficult. But if I start going, Jesus, help me see this person as you see them. Help me understand what carried you to the cross for me and for them. As we start seeing people as Jesus truly sees them, I honestly believe that we'll begin to love them as Jesus loves them. It will help. Somehow our hearts change. So I think it's learning to see people as Jesus sees them. So even right now, 
Maybe there's someone as I'm sharing, you're like, man, there's a limit. I, I, I don't know what our relationship looks like going forward. We used to be close, but I don't know what that looks like now. Hold that person in front of you. Begin to look at them as Jesus looks at them. Ask Jesus to help your heart. I think we try to make this difficult and complex at times when it's, it's really simple. It's simple to understand, it, but I appreciate it's so hard to do. So friends, what would it look like if we made our 100% strategy about love? Love first. Everything that's built on love. What if our main agenda behind it all was love? What if everything we built on was love? What would it look like? What would it look like in our individual lives? What would it look like in our family together? Because we're not meant to be individuals on our own. We're meant to be part of a body. Jesus rescued a body, the church, his bride. What would it look like, vine life, all nations? What would it look like if our number one agenda was love? Radical, self-giving, selfless, sacrificial love. You know, I, I really, this should be the main advertisement board for the church, shouldn't it? This should be the main advertisement. Not, not all the programmes the church runs. Now, I want to be really careful. Like, it's amazing what the church does across the world. It's incredible. Food banks, debt management, uh, orphan care, uh, feeding to the poor. Like, it's incredible what the church does. The programmes are really important. Uh, it, it shouldn't just be primarily all about our clever words we have. We have a message to the world. We have the gospel of the wonderful Jesus Christ to communicate and preach to the whole world. But I think the number one priority that we need to get straight first, the church of Jesus Christ should be known and seen by its love. Look how they love one another. This should be on display as a beautiful shop window. As people walk past us, as people encounter you at work, tell me what your church does. Why are you doing that for your friend? This should be on display like a beautiful shop window. So when people come in, they're like, man, I experienced that. There's so many horrible barriers across the world right now. As we know, race barriers that are just heartbreaking what is going on and has done for centuries. But the church of Jesus Christ looks different. Where barriers are obliterated. Where love is extended. The church of Jesus Christ is made up of wonderful, <laughs> wonderful tapestry of people. A diverse, multicultural, multi-generational family, a family that serves one another, loves one another. Galatians 3.28 says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. There is neither female nor male. We are all one in Christ Jesus. I love this. Look at this. Races have been brought down cultures brought down not that they're not important my greek heritage i'm really proud of that right so it's not that we're just all bland and we all look the same that's not what god's doing god is bringing together a multi-diverse multicultural multi-generational a, a, a complete different looking tapestry black white rich poor young old different backgrounds but here we see the importance layers, the, the somehow the social classes are gone. 
Jew, Greek, slave, free, male, female, we are now one in Jesus Christ. We are one. Friends, I don't know the pain you've experienced, but if I want you to know you are, you are equal here. You are one in Jesus. And, and, and I want to fight as a community to bring this oneness, that we would, we would shine something different to the world. The church done right is an incredible sign of what God looks like, how he does things, how he does things. Quite honestly, I think, why would you save me? But it's a sign to the world of what he's like. You know, at a personal level, I shared this, I think, on Easter, but this was certainly the case for me. When I first stumbled into a church, when I came into a church environment, much like Vine Life, much like All Nations, just weird and wonderful people, looking very different, I thought, look how they love each other. Man, they're doing something different. I want to be part of that. But the overarching feeling that I had was, I'm home. I'm home. And I've never left. I've been part of church ever since I walked in that first Sunday. I've never left. So I want you to know, friends, if you've come into a church environment and you call Jesus your king and your friend and your saviour, your healer, your redeemer, all of that, you're home. You're home. You're home. I want to finish with these verses and then we're going to pray and the band are going to lead us again. 1 John 4, 7 to 12 says this. Dear friends, dear friends, I love this. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and he sent Jesus as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we also are to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, listen to this, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Dear, dear Jesus, Thank you that you so loved us, that you lay down everything for us. I pray, Jesus, that your love, your radical, sacrificial, costly, humble love would be everything that we build on here. Help us carry your love in our hearts. Help us express your love demonstrated to our brothers and sisters, part of family. Help us model family in all that we do with love being the bedrock. And we pray, Jesus, as we do that, as love is the number one agenda, we know, we trust, we're excited about that you're going to draw, you're going to draw people in that says, man, I want to be part of that. I want to belong to a family like that. I want to be part of a community like that. So Jesus, we honour you. We say you're beautiful, you're wonderful. You're the saviour, you're our king. And I pray your love would be right at the heart of everything we do for your glory. Amen.